You're listening to the Inner Process Podcast with your hosts, Mike Bond and Jason Van Ruler. We're seasoned counselors and friends, and each episode we discuss topics that help us live all around healthier lives. Listen in as we share personal stories, research, and our experiences as therapists. Thank you for joining us. So today on this episode, we are talking about overthinking. Sometimes clients will say to me, well, I'm really just trying to solve this problem. I'm doing some problem solving. And we'll have to examine, is it really problem solving or is it actually overthinking? And one of the ways you can tell that is how long you spend on any given decision or replaying some event or situation in your mind. The problem with this, of course, is that at the root of this oftentimes is anxiety and fear. And so we talk about what it looks like to do this. How do you stop doing it? What's underneath it? all of those different types of things. And we hope that it'll be really, really helpful. So listen in. We thank you as always for listening. If you wouldn't mind, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and tell a friend. Thanks a lot. Well, welcome back to the Inner Process Podcast as always. And we really mean this. We are very thankful for you guys listening to this podcast. We really enjoy doing it. And I hope that you enjoy hearing it, but I also hope, and we hope that, you know, it's just helpful. That's kind of what we really want to be in life. It's one of the things that's helpful. Today, we're talking about overthinking. So this is a topic that's out there. It's a topic that actually, Jason, you and I have talked a lot about just off air about different things. I mean, we talk to clients a lot about it. We talk about it for ourselves, people that we know. So yeah. It's almost like you're demonstrating that we suffer from overthinking. Yes. Like I'm overthinking it right now. <laughs> oh, I think that's appropriate. It's like a 45 minute long intro. You're like, and it's like this other part. And so, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's probably appropriate. So all that's to say, like, we get it. Yeah. We get it on multiple levels as we try to do with most of the things that we talk about, quite frankly. I think it would be helpful, like we like to do with maybe just talk real quick about either what is overthinking or what does it look like? How does it show up? When I talk to clients about this, I'll tell them, you know, you know, you're probably overthinking if you're doing the three R's. All right. So you're ready for this? I'm ready. This sounds great. Okay. I get pen and paper. Here's the three R's. Ruminating, rehashing, or replaying. I like this. Right? So this, those three, because, you know, if you're doing any of those three R's, you are probably you're outside, hey, I'm just trying to solve a problem or I'm trying to give some good, healthy thought to this thing. But instead, I've already done that part. And then that part has extended to uh, like other things, right? Like now I'm losing time to this that I don't probably need to be losing. So that's the way I think about it. I don't know if you have a kind of a different. Well, I like that. Idea, I don't know but... if I could put it as succinctly. Is that your own stuff? The three R's? That's yours? Oh, no, no, oh, okay. no. Well, I mean, the three R's is, yeah. but those concepts are not. No, but I mean, that's a great way to kind of put it, right? Is it, it goes beyond problem solving or it goes beyond what's really required of the situation. Correct. And I think, you know, for those listening, if you're not sure, when I talk to clients, sometimes they'll say to me, well, I'm just really trying to come up with a really good solution. I'm trying to be thorough. I'm trying to research well. Make note that research is not part of the three R's. Like that's not what we're talking about. If you do a little research, that, that's fine. That's problem solving, right? When the research turns into replaying the research and turns into kind of rehashing the research, and then that turns into talking about it with your spouse for the 
47th time. Like now we're in danger potentially of overthinking. That felt stuff. personal, but I'm, I'm going to choose to believe that wasn't about me. If you want to choose to believe that, you can. But I'd like you actually to <laughs> overthink that part of the podcast later. You know I will. You know I will. Okay, no more overthinking jokes. That's it. That was the last okay. one for today. So that is, I think, you know, if you're wondering, am I overthinking something? And by the way, I mean, often the times I think this is expressed in terms of decision making, but this can be anything. It can be, I had this interaction with this person and I'm replaying it and I'm replaying it. And maybe I should have said that, or maybe I, you know, right. So it can really be a lot of different things at the end of the day. What's underneath it so often, I think, is anxiety. We're going to talk about this and fear and other things, but just you know, on the surface, externally speaking, for me and when I talk to clients, if you find yourself doing some of those three R's, you're probably more overthinking something. You're probably in an unhealthy space than you are trying to solve a problem or you know that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, because most of the time it's it's about something else, and it can be big. I mean, it can be really big life stuff, or it can be little things. I mean, I know for me. I have Grammarly on my email, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool because they tell you when you make grammatical errors or spell things wrong, but it has actually really led me to overthink almost all of my emails because whereas mm -hmm. before I would have just sent an email, you know, with terrible spelling and just the grammar is bad and all that stuff and people would have probably accepted it. Now I sort of have this reminder of like, hey, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be better. Mm. And so I get in this thing where it's not, it's not even like a big thing, but then you're spending like five minutes on an email that could have taken 30 seconds. Yeah. That's actually a really good example of, I think, where maybe something even that's designed to be really helpful, and it is, can lead to that if you're not careful to have the right boundaries right. around it. And it's also a good example, I think, of the overthinking piece. Yeah. So I think you sent this to me. I hadn't heard this. I thought it was a really, really good quote. We have a quote that I think encapsulates this really well and maybe helps us move into the next part of this. Do you want to tell them the quote that you sent me? Yeah, it's from John Acuff. He's got a book actually that just came out called Soundtracks and it's about overthinking. But he says, overthinking isn't a personality trait. It's the sneakiest form of fear. It steals time, creativity, and goals. Mm, I like that. I do too, because I think it pretty much sums it up, right? It is about fear more than probably anything else. It is. Yeah, and it really does do what he says in that quote. I mean, it really, I think it robs, well, we know that fear robs us, right? Bottom line, but it definitely, I think, stifles creativity. In fact, we're going to talk about that as a matter of fact. And I think that leads us naturally to why this is so important, because truthfully, this is just really negatively impactful and powerful for us to the degree that we're doing this in our lives. Absolutely. Would you agree? Because here's something I was thinking about a little bit. Some of our culture actually encourages this. In what way? The overthinking. Well, I think like the Grammarly is an example, but there's also this whole kind of culture of like, well, here's how I did it. And then people reverse engineer how they did something, mm. right? So they cut out the part about just doing something. And instead they talk about all the things they did. Which right. I think leads people to believe that they have to have a really intricate detailed plan to do almost anything because that's what they're seeing being presented. But that's only really done after they've done something. That's a great point. The last episode was on perfectionism. If you haven't listened to that, go back because these tie, of course, together. And I think that that's where that ties is it leads and lends itself to some of that, as well as we have such a proliferation of information out there. Mm -hmm. That I think I truly believe, I don't have any data for this to suggest this, but I bet that the incidence of overthinking in our culture is 
exponentially more than it used to be. Because frankly, if you want to overthink by Googling things, you can do that for hours and hours and hours a day if you want to. Like you can get stuck in that analysis paralysis piece so easily. Yep. And we know that this is damaging. And they did a study in 2013 that showed that overthinking led, it's not a surprise, but it it led to an increase in mental health issues, right? I would suspect those are things like higher incidence of anxiety, probably depression, some things like that. I mean, we know that it takes from us because of the negativity that tends to end up happening because we're not overthinking on how glorious this particular experience was and I have such great feelings. We're, we're ruminating on something that happened in the past or we're thinking about something that's going to happen in the future. and that's usually where this resides. Right. Which is to say anxiety. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think if it was about how wonderful your life is, I mean, that would be great. That could be its own problem, I suppose, but that's often not what this is about. No. This is about can I show up? Am I going to be worthy? Am I going to be rejected? I mean, it, it kind of hits those things more than anything else. I know in graduate school, I would write a paper and I would, you know, have to look up some research for that. But then I would get so far into it. You know, so if I read a research paper, I'd, I'd read who, you know, provided the research, what they wrote, what the person before them. I mean, it would just be chasing this mm. whole thing in kind of an attempt to have covered every angle. And while that was, you know, on some hands kind of interesting, it became a thing that got me so far away from where I was actually trying to go that I would almost have to reset then at the end and say like, okay, well now how do I just not do any of what I just did? Because that was way more than I needed to go. It was way too deep of a dive. And so now how do I come back and just actually do what's asked of me? And I think that's kind of how overthinking works for us mm -hmm. is we get so far away that to really do anything now, we almost need to forget that we did that and just do something. Yeah, that's a great point. And in the midst of that, we've lost that time to that process. And it doesn't mean that we can't use some of that information, but it does mean to your point, I think you didn't, you didn't need all of those hours before then just ending up writing the paper anyway. I mean, I'm sure you use some of that information, but. Yeah. But I mean, you can only get an A as much as you can get an A, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of how this works for a lot of us when we overthink is, is there's just only so much required to get the job done and everything over that is either because you really enjoy it or it's kind of wasteful. And I think it is then, if you're doing that on a regular basis, I think it is often about really addressing, not, not in a healthy way, but trying to address the underlying anxiety and fear that's there around whatever that thing is. Because say you had an interaction with a person like I referenced earlier, and then you're going back over and over and over in your mind about that. And I think so often that is an attempt to deal with some underlying emotion there, right? Whether it's anxiety or sadness or something probably felt negative, but we know that doesn't work. It doesn't work to replay that. You're not going to come up with the solution for next time if you're overthinking it. If you think about it once or twice, and you're like, you know what? Next time I'd like to do it this way or that way. I think that'd be more healthy. And then you let it go and you move on. Now that is, I think, effective and problem solving and not what we're talking about. Yeah, that's insight. But I think that insight doesn't take so long. No. I think either you have it or it strikes you later, but it often doesn't come from contemplating something for hours and hours and hours. In fact, the more we do that, it tends to just be confusing. I agree. And actually, maybe this is a good place just to say a second study. They did a study about creativity and overthinking because often people will say, I think, 
along the problem solving lines, even if it's about an interaction or a relationship, well, I need to think about this a lot because I need to solve this problem. And there's an implication that like, as we do that, then we come up with solutions, we create things. That's not actually how that works. The study they did at a Stanford, at a school of design, they determined that, go figure, overthinking actually stifles creativity and you're better to give something a first or second thought. And then just as you said, dive into it and then start creating. And they found that those products that they created were a lot more creative than the other part of the study where they were thinking and thinking and thinking. So that's a neuroscience thing actually is what they were really studying is what parts of the brain were engaged when we are thinking about a subject. So for anyone that's listening, if you think you need to think long and hard, I mean, about and like to solve a problem, but but you really are overthinking. I mean, I think that that study kind of shows that actually it's going to have the opposite effect of what you're desiring. It does stifle creativity as a matter of fact. Yeah. And I would say, hey, that's fantastic. And Man, you're the research guy. You get good stuff. That that's a really good I love research. Bit of research. I think it just stifles lots of things, really. I mean, it stifles creativity, yeah. but also I think relationships, because it makes us weird. You know, I know I've overthought yeah. stuff before, and it just kind of makes you strange and awkward because you're putting so much value and effort into something that's already happened or passed or something that isn't gonna happen. Yeah. And it makes it hard to connect with people that are overthinkers. Yeah, that's very true. Also, and we actually talked about this a little bit with the Perfectionism podcast too, is that when we're doing that ourselves, I mean, we're preoccupied, right? Mm -hmm. So naturally, if you're preoccupied, when it comes to the relationships you're in, you're potentially, you're running the risk of being disconnected and distant from people, right? Because kind of going over that. Or in the case of anxiety and fear, especially as it plays out in relationships, while you're having interactions, I think if you tend to replay and rehash that's going to impact the way you do the present reality of those relationships, how much you share or don't share and all of those things. Absolutely. And, it, and it's a little unsettling. I mean, my favorite thing is to come back and say, Mike, you know what I said six months ago? I've been thinking about it. I'm really sorry. This very specific thing. And you're like, what? What, what are you talking about? Like, no, I've just not slept since that happened. And just wanted to no. talk to you about that. And then all of a sudden it makes this weird kind of pressure on a relationship where all of a sudden everything's a big deal because it's all up for evaluation and overthinking and all of these things. And so I'm not trying to put people down because I'm going to just jump in right there and and say, I don't want to be a hypocrite because this is something I do sometimes too. But I think it just stalls us out from the true connection we want with other people when we do that. Yeah, I think it has that impact. And let's just note again, the deeper components of this, because I think if we can understand what's really going on, it's easier to put some boundaries around this. And that oftentimes it really is the fear and anxiety. I think that as a people, we live sometimes under the illusion that information is going to help us feel more stable and secure. And in reality, that's not true. A little bit of information, absolutely. But to think and kind of overthink and try to come up with put all the pieces together, so to speak, about anything actually is not where stability and security comes from. And in fact, this takes it theological just for a moment, but I I think actually read the Bible and God set it up as such because we're supposed to find that stability and security in him. And so I think we're trying to manufacture that Mm -hmm. by synthesizing all available data and rethink and replay and rehash. To me, I often find 
people are trying to feel more stable and secure in their lives by doing that. And we know that's a buffer against anxiety and fear, but it does not work that way. It actually creates less stability and security because not everything can be known. And I think that's where we have to probably start to become more comfortable with mystery, which is a little bit of a different podcast, but it relates to this because I think that's the tendency we do sometimes. Wow. That's really wonderfully said. I, my head was just going there too of that faith piece, but that, that is really, I think what we're called to do is to have that faith and, and to not have to have all the information or have all the control because again, it's just really inefficient. We can't. So, I mean, we can strive for that as much as we want, but that's actually not going to be possible. Right. And so maybe that leads us to, I don't know what you will often tell clients when you're working on this, but I think it leads us to maybe some things that people can do if they're listening to this, hey, I, I am tending to overthink whatever it is in my life. And so what can I do about that? What do you typically tell clients or how do you help them to kind of adjust this or change this if they want to work on it? Usually I just say, stop doing that. That actually is... Oh, really? That works? <laughs> That's my therapeutic intervention. I just say, no wonder you don't have any clients. Yeah. It's now I'm looking all for clients, by the way, sense. if you're listening to this. No, that's not what I say. I actually have read, and I hope I'm going to get this right, but I believe it was Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a pretty famous Buddhist monk. And he has three questions. First one is, is it a problem today? Yes or no? If it is a problem today, so hey, if it's no, then it's not a problem. We're not going to worry about it. If it is a problem today, is there a solution today? Yes or no. Mm. If the answer is no, then we're not going to worry about it. If the answer is yes, we're going to do it. Right. And so then the last question is, can I do it? So really, I'll ask people to kind of walk through that with what they're thinking about. And it slows them down quite a bit. Mm, I love that. Because they go, yeah, a lot of this stuff is actually not a problem today. This is, an, this is a problem imagined in the future or the past, but it's not actually a today problem. I think the other thing is just putting parameters around how long it takes you to do stuff. That's what really helped me when I was writing those papers is I just said, like, I'm going to take two hours and like, if it's garbage, I guess it's garbage, but that's what I've got. Yeah. Along those lines, I have a little exercise I do with people, whether it's anxiety or anxiety-based things or specifically with overthinking, we just create, take a shoebox and you create an overthinking box. And as you become aware that you're probably stuck ruminating on something, write it down on a note card, put it in the box, put it away. And as it goes on the shelf, you stop thinking about it until some appointed time. Mm. And then at that appointed time, take the box out. You can overthink it as much as your heart desires. You can be as anxious as you want to be about it for a certain period of time. And then you have to put it back away again. And I think sometimes what's helpful about that is that there's the physical representation of the boundary, because that's kind of what we're talking about. I, like I, I love what you said, because that's what you're saying. Like, we have to have boundaries around this and kind of get ourselves to either take action or to move off of these topics. I find that sometimes, not for everyone, but sometimes having an actual tangible way to express that boundary is helpful. But the key, I think, is in giving yourself permission to think about it. And if you're going to worry about it, worry about it and overthink and all that kind of stuff. Because if you don't see, I think what gets us in trouble sometimes is we try to not quote unquote overthink, but whenever we try not to do something, we just naturally are going to want to do it more. Yeah. It's human nature. And so give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. And that it's okay. 
in reality, what usually happens is by the time it comes time to actually get the box out and think about those things, just what you just said, which I love those three things. So much of that's true. It's like, you know what? Well, that's already passed. I don't even have to think about that anymore. And if you need to solve it, you can in the moment, you know, then what's interesting is people know what to do. So if it is an immediate problem, most people either know what to do or how to solve it. Yes. Immediately. I really like that idea of the box. You're really good at coming up with just kind of those physical things. That's great. The only thing that I would add is I often will do, it's kind of an old Erickson intervention, but I will ask people to schedule hours to overthink. But here's the key part. The hours are 2 a.m. So whatever time zone you're in, 2 a.m. is your time for overthinking. So all you got to do is you got to get out of bed, turn the lights on, get your box out, and then overthink at 2 a.m. Is that why you always seem so tired? That it all makes sense. I haven't actually slept a full night. It makes perfect sense. Years and years and years. But what's interesting about that is nobody gets up to do that. That's a great idea. No, I love it. Yeah, I joke, but I love that. Of course, you're not going to get out of bed to do it. No. Which there's a retraining process that happens there, right? And I think that's what we're trying to get at is as, I mean, we're talking about a neurological process. You can train and retrain yourself to stop doing this. It's very difficult. Yep. The only thing I would add to all that we're saying in terms of these practical things is that just it's just really helpful to always call out the deeper components, right? You have to call out that this is really anxiety. This is really fear. This is really maybe a wound from childhood that it's driving this. Like we want to label those things because that is what is generating the power. We don't just overthink just to overthink. Of course, I mean, there are deeper reasons for that. I think we need to go and search an understanding of what those are to at least label them. I think it makes the process go better. Yeah, it's a whole question of what is this about, really? And your first two answers are wrong. So what's the third answer? You know, well, this is just about an email. Okay, nope, that's not right. Well, I want to have good, nope, that's really not right either. What is it really about? Well, I don't want to be rejected. Okay, yeah, like we can work with that. That's pretty standard. People feel that way. But I think we have to ask ourselves that question is, what is this about really? Yeah, I love that. I think that that's really good. And I love the, you throw out the first couple because it really does take sometimes a little time to get to that more core component. Is there any piece of this that you think is good? I'm curious. Oh, I see what you're saying. I was thinking, this, you just you don't like this podcast? You thought, no, I think the whole thing's been pretty good. <laughs> this thing sucks. No, what I'm wondering is, yes, is there any part of overthinking that's good? Because I was thinking a lot about this and I was like, well, this is a bad thing. And I actually could come up with a couple areas where it's not bad to be an overthinker. Yeah, where I think it's good is the tendency, the willingness to engage the subject Mm -hmm. because denial is every bit is bad on the other side of this. Right. And maybe a step beyond that, the willingness to do the research or to replay the conversation. And what could I have done? Like that willingness to move into the category, I think is great. That's actually a true skill and really healthy because so many times maybe we do the opposite, which is we pretend like we didn't have that conversation. It wasn't hurtful or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that to me is the first thing that comes to mind. I think that's a really helpful part about potentially overthinking. Yeah. How about for you? Yeah, just as we end, I mean, I think it's just important to point out, like with everything, there's both sides. You know, to me, I want an overthinker designing spaceships. That person should totally be an overthinker. Don't you think? I mean, that if I'm an astronaut sitting in there, I don't want the guy that's like, well, I don't ever think too much about anything. I don't want that guy building it. Small bolts are fine. No, I, I want the guy who's like, I have lost sleep for the last couple of weeks about this. Yeah. So 
what I think makes the difference is just to kind of sum up what we're talking about is having the boundaries around it and knowing why yes. you're doing it. So in the instance yes. of the NASA guy, like it's a legitimate reason. I'm doing this because it's going to save lives. It's going to help us achieve our mission. And my boundary is this is my job. Yes. So if you're listening to this and you're going, oh man, I struggle with that. Hey, that's not the worst thing in the world. You just have to build no. some stuff around it to keep it healthy. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I think if we are having those boundaries, then we get the best of both worlds. Like we get the willingness to engage the subject. We do the research. We think, you know, come up with some solutions, but it doesn't activate and keep us in that anxious, worried, replaying type of place, which is that's where it gets unhealthy. Absolutely. Is when we don't have that intention around it. So as we close today, just thank everybody for listening. The challenge that I would maybe give you is to try Mike's idea with the box. I mean, I, I just love that. I know I'm going to do that. So maybe take a box. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. You got that's a box. When you get to worry about the note box. cards, open it up, have at it. It's going to be super fun. You'll be tired in the morning, but give it a shot. And as always, thanks for listening. We can't wait to talk to you again. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. Of Mike and I would also like to ask that if you've been enjoying the podcast, could you share it with a friend? We've loved getting all the feedback and comments thus far. Thanks.